0: For the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people has, he has chosen as his inheritance, Psalm 33. Please out fill out the prayer requests. Remember that we have our food pantry and our change for the babies, and also a new item, December 27th, which I believe is a Wednesday during Christmas week. We're going to have a prayer, uh, blood drive uh, because there's a need for blood, of course, in Wichita all the time. And uh, the good friends... From the Red Cross are going to come up and put that on here at the church understand therefore that the Lord your God is a faithful God for a thousand generations keeps his promise constantly loves those who love him and who obey his commandment Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 let's stand to
1: sing grace that is greater than all our sins Steve, you want to read there
2: The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. While most books of the Bible speak of God's grace, the Apostle Paul is especially known for emphasizing grace. This hymn reminds us that God overcame our doubts and our sin when Christ overcame death to save us. This hymn was written by Julia Johnston in 1911.
0: Let's stand and let's sing together if you can.
1: Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt.
3: Prayer confession is bidding style. I'll read the line, and you can search your heart uh, to how it pertains to you. God, we come to you with all the secrets of our hearts open. Forgive us for the times we have not appreciated all the blessings in our lives. We we confess not appreciating the annoyances that disrupted our lives and made us look at things differently. Forgive us for not delighting in your law but being grudgingly obedient. We admit the times we have let our circumstances dictate our attitudes rather than trusting in you. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and forgiveness that frees us from our guilt and sin. Through Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning is from Romans 8 verses 1 through 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Guidelines for living is from Matthew 22, beginning with verse 36. Teacher, what is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments.
0: Thank you, Scott, for leading us in prayer of confession and Giving those guidelines and encouragement of our sins being forgiven, let's stand together if you can. If you want, you can remain seated and sing some of our praise choruses to our God.
1: Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We wait upon the Lord strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, and we wait upon the Lord, and we wait upon the Lord. Breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty, so much stronger. The King of Glory, the King of all who shakes the whole world with holy thunder, and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of Glory, the King of all. This is amazing grace This is unfailing law That we would take my place That you would bear my cross that You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh Jesus is you holy come our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son or daughter? The King of glory, the King above all Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shine like the sun in all its brilliance? The King of glory, the King above all This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the king of the grave. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. This is amazing, grave. This is unfailing love. That we would make my place. That you would bear my call. That you would down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I would sing for all that you've done for me. You may be seated for this last song.
2: for the scripture reference to now thank we all our god we go back to the old testament to first chronicle twenty nine thirteen. king david's prayer in this chapter begins by praising god in the presence of the whole assembly it goes on to say yours O oh lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty wealth and honor come from you and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all Verse 13 concludes with, Now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Further on the chapter, David reminds us that everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand.
0: I just want to make an addition to that, that this hymn was written by a pastor by the name of Martin Rinkert. Is that right, Steve? What is this?
2: It is by, no, Reinhardt.
0: Okay, Reinhardt Rinkert. And uh, what has happened was he had written this story in the bubonic Plague. And he buried over 1,600 people. And one was his wife and two were, two were his children. And um, he made, I think that he did funerals about three a day. So, and here he wrote this beautiful hymn of thanksgiving. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for all the wonderful things that you do. And God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and has purpose and plan for us. I give you praise and glory and honor, Lord, for such love that you have sustained for us. We give you thanks for all the blessings that we have and the challenges that we have in life. And that you're by our side every step of the way. Thank you, Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Now thank we all our God with heart and hand and voice in, who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath blessed us all bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us praise and thanks to God the Father now be given the Son in Him who reigns with them in highest heaven O brethren O God whom earth and heaven adore for thus it
0: To the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanksgiving for this wonderful country that we have. We're so grateful for the men and women who put their lives on the line. And as yesterday, we were grateful after Veterans Day of all the many people who died for this country, million, who put their lives so that we can be free to worship here and that we could have the freedoms that we have every day. It doesn't take much for us to go down to the Robert Dole Hospital and see the sign over the entrance where it says the price of freedom and we see people's with out eyes or legs or struggling with illnesses from war. I pray Father God that we thank you and be with those who are mourning, those who've lost loved ones, those who are challenged. I pray for our government, Lord give them wisdom as they lead us and that they Show us the way. And we thank you for the elections this past week. And the Lord, we just pray now for those who've been re-elected or elected, uh, that they will do um, good for you and for your honor and for the people of our city and of our nation. Pray also too, Father God, for <clears throat> the challenges that are to the church. We who are the church, help us to be bold and strong in strength. We pray also too for our shut-ins, for... Lucille and Joyce. I pray, Lord, that you'll give them strength as they continue to work through the difficulties of their days. I pray for Howard, Howard's uh, daughters, Mindy and Sherry, both who are having troubles with their hearts right now, one's still in the hospital. I pray also too for Joyce Raglan and her uh, surgery she had on her back, and for also Howard as he still is doing therapy for his back. I pray for our brother Steve his mom Gwen Atkins Watkins that um, some of the health issues that she's been having we lift up to Everett Long and for um, we pray also for Samantha Mama and Jason Stevens uh, also Floyd Road Armour um, those who are having problems and battling cancer we pray for their healing I pray for a man this week um, that his wife took her life. I just pray that you'll be with him in his struggles and trials and helping his daughter and stepdaughter understand all this and this craziness. Just be with him, bring comfort to them all. I pray for um, Gage in, in Dallas and Dallas in the loss of their baby. I pray for Nick, Lord, for healing for him and also giving wisdom to the doctors. I pray also too for Brad. I uh, pray for Carol as she ministers to him and give him the peace and the strength that he needs in healing. We pray also for Leanne, who's had knee surgery. just pray for quick and complete healing for her. I pray also too for Mr. Mack, who's our school that is battling his cancer. We pray also too, Lord, for <clears throat> those who have lost loved ones this weekend in car wrecks. How tragic, Lord. Give them comfort and strength in their time of need. And Lord, we lift up also those who are battling their addictions for Jordan, for David, Eric, Ricky, Russell. Every day, they have that monkey on their back. And I pray, Lord, that they can flip that monkey off and put Jesus in their hearts. And they can fight the good fight and battle and win, gain victory over him their demons. Thank you, Christ, for being here now with us this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord, what we need to hear. As you have spoken through your word, it's living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Cut us. Open us up, Lord. Do your surgery on us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The secretary from the school came down the hall and She, of course, knocked on the door and asked if uh, there's a fellow who wanted to see me. And so I invited him in, and I've known him for over 25 years. He's been a Christian for 60. But he was very distraught. And as she left, he took the, and shut the door behind her. Sat down and he was just frazzled. He says, Dave, why has God done this to me? And I'm wondering what God has done to him. He says, I feel like God has cursed me. All the things that I want and desire right now, I'm not getting. I think He's cursed me. And I said, That can't be. Because the Bible says he is faithful to you and he loves you. And he wants the best for you. There are times in our lives that we hit those moments where we think God doesn't care and God has forgotten about us and walked away from us. But those thoughts are just thoughts. They're not word of God. As the children of Israel understood that as they now we're about to enter the promised land. God reminds them. He is, loves them. And he's faithful to them. And that he's a faithful God. Like the mother who wept, for, wept to me about her daughter who was so wayward. And yet it was so thankful that God was faithful to her and to the family. And that right now she's incarcerated and that she needs to be there. Figure out why she's so irrational and doing such rebellion to the family and to herself. In the midst of that heartbreaking crisis, though, she knew that God was faithful. There are times in our lives that we all get challenged, things come our way that are very difficult. And we wonder, where is God? In the midst of this moral confusion that we have right now going on in our society, we're saying, where is God? And in the midst of all this, we see that in the midst of a a changing world, God is always the one that's faithful. You and I live in this world of planned obsolescence. That car that you buy is planned that only lasts about three to five years and then you need to get a new one. Or that computer that you bought, that you walked out of the store with, only lasts about three months and it's already out of date. You need a new one. Companies downside and get rid of employees because it's, they're not faithful to us. And we're not faithful to them anymore. We're living in a world of ceaseless, ceaseless change. Everything around us is continuing to change and change. But God is the constant. How many of you know people that do exactly what they say every single time? How many people that you know do exactly the same thing every single time? Or that you know you can count on through thick and thin no matter what? How many people do you know that are really true about who they are? We live in an age where leaders get up and point in the TV set and look at the camera and say, And I did not do that. Or I did not say that. And then they have a clip about them saying it. You see, we live in a world that's so topsy-turvy. We need a solid rock. This is what Israel needed because they changed and they were flip-floppy. Their parents were flip-floppy. And Moses wants them to get it. That God is faithful to them. He does not change and that he cares much greatly about us. And no matter what happens, he does not change for circumstances or situations, but that he is faithful to you every time. He doesn't back down when he says something to you. He fulfills it. Today, Moses, in chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, he says, Know therefore the Lord your God. And this is what we need to understand, folks. We need to understand God. Because he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his governance and his loving kindness to thousands of generations with whom he loves and he keeps his commandments. God is giving Moses and his people a second chance. A whole generation failed because they refused to trust this faithful God. And they wound up dying in the wilderness. Now this new generation is going to accept the land that God had for their parents. And they're going to gain this land of Canaan. As long as they remain faithful and trusting God in his faithfulness. And they don't let unbelief trap them. And then they won't have to see what happened with their parents happened to them. And God does that for us. Now he gives them instruction as they're about ready to go into Canaan. And the first thing he wants them to know about his faithfulness is that he has separated them. From the rest of the world. And if you're a Christian, he separated you from the rest of the world before the foundation of the world. Look at what he says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are to enter to possess it, and clears many nations before you the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Ammonites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Seven nations greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord God delivers, you, delivers them before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. God is saying to them, you have been chosen. Way back when Abraham was a pagan in heir of the Chaldees God chose Abraham and said I'm going to make a nation out of you a great nation and they're going to be called my children and it's not because they're strong people in fact they're weak people and they don't have anything to offer but I'm going to call them together and they're going to be my people and they're going to be separated from the rest of the world And I'm going to do great things for them. Because I want them to know who I am. And that I'm faithful. And I will provide for them. And I will care for them. But they're to be separated from the rest of the world. They're not to be involved in the rest of the world. They're not to grab onto the pagan gods. They're not to do all these other things. They are set apart for me. We as Christians who accepted Jesus Christ in our heart, you have not been just because you thought that together and put that together that you gave your life to Christ. Before the foundation of the world, God already knew that you were going to be saved. He called you out of the darkness into the light. Otherwise, you could not even want Jesus. Paul says that in Romans chapter 3. None of us desired God. But it's because of His love that He chose you. You're a special person in His eyes. And he's called us to be separate as Christians. Not isolated. Not like the Jews here because he knew how weak they were. But you and I are to be different. We're to do things differently. We see things differently. We act differently than the rest of the world. And yet we're not to it. Because if you remember in Matthew he said, You're the soul of the earth. We have to be involved in the world to keep the world from losing itself. We are the light of the world to show them the way to Jesus Christ. And here, God is saying we need to be separate. Different. When other people are doing things, we are not doing those things because we honor God. We see them through the eyes of Christ. We walk in His ways. That's why we as a church are different. Because we have chosen to be separate from the world. We are people who welcome people, yes, from all kinds of lifestyles and all that kind of stuff. That's what we want to do because we know we have the answer for them. We're a hospital here. A hospital that fixes and helps sinners to find the Savior, the physician, who can change their heart and do an operation on their heart and change it. I had a situation with a bunch of colleagues they said don't you welcome homosexuals I said my door is open I want to love them I had seven in my church previously and they've came to Christ and they stopped that lifestyle because they knew what God wanted They realized they were sinners and they needed the savior They didn't need somebody to pat them on the back and say keep on sinning so that grace may abound they met the Jesus who found the woman at the well and said, I don't condemn you either, but sin no more. Follow me. This is what the world needs. God didn't want them to be involved with intermarrying one another and political treaties and, and and tolerance. Otherwise it would jeopardize their relationship with Jesus. You and I live in a world that's totally, unbelievably mixture of everything. And we're called to be different in that mixture. We're living in a world that has so many different possibilities. But we understand that there's only one possibility to conquer our lives and our death. We live in a pluralistic society where everything is out there offered to us. But we need to stand in a world and say, no. We stand for what is right and true and pure. We're living in a world that's very hostile right now. We see the anti-Semitism. We see the anti-Arabic we see the all because of the Gaza Strip. And in the midst of this, we see all this other seething. We see universities who are canceling speakers because they're speaking from a different point of view. These are supposed to be the educated people who must be open, and they're not. We see a Jesus who stands up and says, You need forgiveness. Need healing in your life, and that the world needs us, Jesus. They need to understand where they're going wrong, and pointed to the light and the right. But they're not. The church has come time patting them on the back and say, "Keep on going." Should never be. Today Jesus comes to us and says, we need to be in the minority. We need to be. We need to be not afraid to stand. Because the world of Christianity, you see, in our nation, which used to be a Judeo-Christian heritage, it was raised on, the walls are coming in. And it's closing. And we're in the minority now. And we know about majorities. Majorities are not always right. Think about it. You ever hear the old saying, how can a billion Chinese be wrong? They're wrong. They're following a dictator that's a crazy man. They're following a religion that is not even a religion. They're lost. How many people, when they said that the majority... Said it could be done. Remember the Wright brothers? Well, they were nicknamed the Wrong Brothers until they put that plane up in the air. How many in the majority ever thought that Lindbergh would ever fly across the Olympic? They didn't. How many ever believed that the stock market would crash in 1929? They didn't. Only a few. How many believed that 9 11 would have taken place in this country until it happened? We were all secure, thinking everything was right. And you see, this is why God chose us. That we in the minority will win. That's what Jesus says. That's what God is saying to Israel, this group who had no experience about fighting wars. They didn't even have good javelins or swords. A lot of the tools that they used to fight with were tools from the farmyard. But God took care of them and gave them victory and took over Canaan. And God did it in His way. In our world, as so much time we see, it sometimes seems so messed up. Let me tell you, we can overcome it too. Because God's done it before. How do you do it? Hmm. Jesus rose from the dead. And then he chose 12 men. And those 12 men, after they believed that he was resident, turned the world, the Bible says, upside down, rattled the cages of the superiors of his day. And we today in the Western civilization have benefited immensely because of Jesus Christ. Because of the Christian values. Because of what we have in this country. And you see, because God chose a group of people to turn the world upside down. They came to this country, put together a constitution, a bill of rights founded from the scriptures to change our life and society in a way that never was done before and that we understand that it's not easy to stand alone but we have to we have to stand for what is right in God's eyes because otherwise it's going to take us. The strongest defense is a good offense. I learned playing football that if you can keep the offense on the line and keep scoring, that the defense will get well rested, and that's what you want. But you know how to keep the other team's defense on their back heels. And when you don't have that, you've got a problem. And we in our world today have a problem. Because you see, Christianity is being thrown back on its heels. And we need to stand up and start getting on the offensive. And God has done to Israel. He wants to protect them from the pagans. And in our society, we have opened the church and have been to stuff that should never be even thought about in the church. And now it's coming in. And it's being okay. When God's word says it's not. I can tell you. From my own experience with a bunch of pastors. My heart was broken. And almost enraged in a retreat that I was at for fellow pastors from our denomination. And the interaction became known and we began to talk about funerals. And I talked about what a wonderful blessing it is to do funerals for people who are unsaved so that I can present the gospel and talk to them about Jesus. You would think I was the biggest heathen in the world and how I was cruel to talk about salvation to people who were mourning the loss of their pagan loved one. They need to hear it. And the church has lost that voice. Oh, you should just be compassionate. I was compassionate. But I also was concerned about those who are living out in the audience that need to hear Jesus. You see, and, and, and we have not followed through with that in the church. We haven't shown the distinctive message, and we wonder why people are doing the crazy things they are because they don't know the gospel. They're lost. And I was very discouraged. Because we lost our separation at that day when I saw those colleagues saying that. They lost the reason why we're separated and different from the world. Because we have a gospel of a Jesus who loves and dies for people that don't go to hell in eternity. And that's why we're here. We're all separated, we're different, we're saved by Christ. To be a blessing to the people around us and to let them know that there's a Jesus who loves them and cares for them. That as they live in this brokenness and this suicidal tendencies of our world today, that they can have a Savior who will help them. I'll never forget the lady who walked into Panera's. And she saw the cross. As I sat in Panera's working on my sermon. And she said, are you a pastor? And I said, yeah. She said, I'd like to talk to you. She sat down at that table. She began to open up her heart to me about all the disappointments she had in the last year. And the night... And last night, her daughter shared with her that she had gotten pregnant and was grown up in a Christian home and decided to get an abortion, and she did. And that morning, when she went into work, she was given a pink slip that her job had ended, she was fired. And she said, "I came in here to have a cup of coffee, and then I was going to go home and turn my oven on and take the pilot light off and shove my head in the oven and kill myself." And we talked, and we reasoned. And I reminded her something she learned along that God would be by her side and give her the strength, because there were a lot of other things that happened. That her heart was broken. But she renewed her relationship with Jesus. And today, every once in a while, I'll see her and she'll smile. Why? Because she needed Jesus. She needed to hear him again. You see, and that's what God says. We're set apart for a special purpose. That the Bible says he is faithful to love you too. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the other people. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You therefore, that the Lord your God, he is a God who is faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those whom love him and keep his commandments. Moses wants them to understand, you see, God's faithful to you. Not only has he pulled you aside and separated you, but he is faithful to you no matter what you go through. And He will be by your side through thick and thin no matter what you go through. He's your constant guide. And in a world where there's broken promises and hurts and pains and suffering, He is still by your side. And He will not walk away from you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how high or how deep your sin is, God still is there for you. And God will get you where you need to be. Because God is faithful. All throughout the Bible, God is faithful. His faithfulness is by your side no matter what. And when you and I pray, when we say the word Amen, in Hebrew it's Amen, what we're saying there at the end is that it is certain. Yet it is absolutely true that God is by our side. Every time you pray those words, remind yourself that His love is certain for you. and It's absolutely true. Nothing can take that away from you. Not even Satan himself from hell can take that out of your hand. Lewis Burry Chaff wrote this. He, he not only adv- advances and confirms that is true, but his faithfulness aids by his promises and executes every threat and warning that he has made. He does and remains faithful. You know, if you're ever struggling with that, get there's, a, there's books in, 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 in Christian bookstores that are written that are the promises of God. Thousands of them in the Bible. And God continues to remind us that He has not left us. And that He's by our side. And every promise that He's made, He will keep in you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he said Every promise He's made is yes in Jesus Christ. And we are a believer. They're yes for you. Joshua says it so well as he's going through and conquering the land. He says... God will bring you to the point where there's going to be rest on every side. And he makes this great statement because he says, it's not going to be quickly, it's going to be seven years. It's not going to be without struggle, but I'm going to be with you. It's not going to be without failure because there's going to be fun failures. It's not even going to be without any losses, but there will be losses. But guess, I am with you. Glad Ayers who was a tremendous missionary during the time of China being invaded by Japan in World War II. She had an orphanage of over a hundred little girls and boys. And they sensed that the Japanese were coming. And the Japanese were very brutal. Men, women and children were killed. And she knew and sensed that God had to get her out of there. So they took this treacherous journey with a hundred little orphans from the war. And they began to make their way through the mountains. Exhausted. Crisis after crisis with children wandering off and all kinds of things. And after the third night of traveling, they were able to just lay down in in the woods. And there she was praying. And a little 13-year-old girl overheard her. Saying, God, how are you going to do this? How are we going to get all these hundred kids and all the problems we have? They're hungry. They need water. And a 13-year-old said to her, his heirs remember God brought Moses through the Red Sea and all the children of Israel were safe and in her frustration she said but I'm not Moses the little girl got sheepish and said of course you're not but God's still God And he'll get us through. God calls us to dwell on his promises. And he calls us to do it because he loves us. Out of his love, we then are grateful for what he's done. And so, what we do is we act with gratitude for what he has done. And that we know that because of what He's done, He's removed our sin from us. And He's empowered us with the Holy Spirit. And with that, we have the faith that we can move forward. And that we know He's faithful. He doesn't renege on His promises to you. He is there for you. He's willing to carry you. He even goes before you. As Israel had no power and strength as an army. God went ahead of Israel. Caused wars between the other tribes. So about the time, and and, and the word in the Hebrew um, is called the hornet in Deuteronomy. And the hornet would go out because they would fight amongst one another. And then when Israel got there, the armies were so tired that they could overtake them. God prepared that for them and prepared way, went ahead of them and made it so they could win these victories and that they could take over Canaan. That's how God does work. But sometimes we have a hard time believing that, don't we? We have a hard time believing that He's going ahead of us and preparing it. I have a friend back in New Jersey who had a very bad relationship with his mother and father. He was born in a very wealthy home, but mom and dad were both drinkers and very powerful people and had a lot of money. And he hated his mother the kind of person she was to him. His father, he really hardly even knew because his dad was always working and busy. But he was a bright guy and he passed through school pretty well and Went to college and wound up becoming a cop. Let me tell you something. What a hard nosed guy. And did not care about God in the least. (laughs) Been raised Catholic, but it didn't do anything good for him, and every time he saw me, he was drilling me. (laughs) And always question, question. Then he became a an attorney. Prosecutor, and it seemed to even get worse. To one day, God take that big hard shell of anger and frustration and hatred towards mom and dad and God, and took God just took a little hammer and hit that shell, and it just busted apart. And all of a sudden, God changed his heart. Jesus came over his heart. Guys that worked with him could not believe that was the same guy. But God had to break him. So that he could finally bow before him, and he did. And what a difference And here I never thought in the meantime in all my involvement with him that he would ever change. But who am I? Because God is bigger than I am. My faith was not big enough to see that coming. And God changed him radically. To a man who loves the Lord and walks in his ways. You see, God's timetable is different than ours. We see that in the children of Israel. You shall not dread them, for the Lord your God is in your midst. And awesome, give a great and awesome God. God was in their midst. He's in our midst, folks. And he's going to do great things through us. The Lord your God will clear the way these nations before you little by little, not big chunks you not be able to put an end to them quickly? For the wild beasts would grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you. And will throw them into great confusion and they are destroyed. You see what God does? He wants us to trust his faithfulness in his timetable. Waiting upon him and sometimes it seems like a lifetime for us. And all those obstacles that he throws in our faces in the midst of that. To change us. To grow us. To make us new. And then we understand as it says here. God is in our midst. And he's going to bring things into your life and my life to change us. As Job understood that. Look what he said. He knows what I'm going through. Job chapter 23, he says, He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. He knows who you are. You're his child. He knows every detail about your life. Every thought process that you have in your little head. Every inch of your being he knows. And he's going to take us and refine us in a particular way so that we shine brightly in the world. In Romans he tells us he uses trials to grow us. We also rejoice in suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character character hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us God does that in our lives he wants us to, to grow and he wants the best for us and he wants us to be the best and that we understand when we get these things that we don't have to weep and cry but we can know that he's got a purpose through the pain Consider it pure joy, he says through James. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what? Mature. Complete. Not lacking anything in your character or in your being. That's why he does it. He wants you to be his best quality stuff. In a world that doesn't give a rip about anything. And is trying all crazy things. We have a God here who is fine-tuning us. And he invites us. As the faithful creator, he invites us in. And to be his special child. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I know we go through difficulties. It's hard sometimes to even think that he's there, like my friend who came to the office this week, frustrated and frazzled. (laughs) But like the little boy with the kite... One day he was flying it and he was stringing and all of a sudden the clouds moved in and the kite got lost in the clouds. guy came by and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. I don't see a kite. Oh, it's up there. How do you know it's up there? He says, because it's tugging the string. And sometimes we don't see God in the crisis, but he's tugging on your string. He's reminding you that he is there. And no matter what you're going through, He's by your side, working and developing you as His chosen possession. That even the things of this life, the Bible says, will grow to be nothing compared to the glory that we will experience on the day of our renewal with Christ. And it's all part of the demonstration of God's power. And that even in this life, when we go through those trials, that He has us. And we're not afraid. and We walk boldly and fear nothing. You know, our world right now, 5% of the people in Sweden go to church 40% in America go to church on Sunday and some of the Christian nations like Europe England 10% 20% we have a mission field folks it's here for us and we need to trust that our faithful Savior is by our side. And that it's not because we're bright or confident people, but that God will use you. That's the way He works. In a world where people are so afraid right now, artificial intelligence, we saw the media, we saw the people, the actors, all so afraid of what AI can do to take away their spots. And yet God can work to change lives. How many remember Kurt Warner played football with the Rams and nobody thought he would ever lead a football team to a national championship? Well, he was a grocery clerk. (laughs) And here he had a shot. Married a woman who had a child that was very... Disabled and praying in the semi-pro league, and he was taken up by the Rams and led them to a national championship. And because of his ability in football, he used it as a platform to proclaim the name of Christ who saved his soul and brought him and his wife to the light. You see, God uses people in very different ways. We don't always understand it. But He does. In fact, this morning, a friend told me about another guy by the name of Derek Carr who got traded and went to the Las Vegas used to be the... (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders. He became their quarterback. But he's a Christian. And he said, you know, you don't know what God's sometimes going to call you to do. He says, here we were in this new church that we just started going to. He said, the preacher's going really good, and then all of a sudden we have the altar call. <laughs> and he said, I got this feeling when the middle of the altar call. He said, I, I, I don't like standing out. In fact, we try to hide and slip in and out of things. And he said, but I felt God saying something to me in this altar call. He said, you know, I, 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 I really didn't want to do it. But he said, in the midst of this altar call, he said, I had such this urge and finally I did it. He said, I stood up during that altar call and I said, there's somebody here who needs some serious help because they are suicidal. They want to commit Murder to themselves. They want to kill themselves. And at once a man stood up crying behind him. Said that he was thinking and contemplating about doing it today. The day they were in that church. And Dirk said. I, God used that. In such a wonderful way where that man got help. And here he was, very reluctant to do, but he did it. And God saved a man's life. God has chosen you, folks, for a special purpose. Realize he's got you. And he's faithful to you every day. Do what he's called you to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you're a great God. And no matter what we've been through or what we're going through or what we've gone to be going through, that you're faithful. You will never let us go. Your loving kindness and mercy is with us every day. Help us truly to love you with all our hearts, souls, and our minds. And it's through you, Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. Please rise as we receive the benediction and we sing our closing sword. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon you in that he gives you your peace and strength to know that he is faithful to you. Amen. God be with you.